Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Today, Pastor J.D. says that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we have the Holy Spirit within us. When Jesus said he was leaving this earth, many people were scared. Jesus went so that you can not just have God by your side. Now you can have him live through you. All you have to do is believe and he will enter you. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 27th, 2023. I'd like to ask and answer the question of, what would I do if I knew the pre-trib rapture was about to happen? Please hear me out. Perhaps better asked, what would I do that I'm not doing if I knew that the rapture was about to happen at the appointed time? Now, I realize the obvious answer, at least in part, in some measure, would be something along the lines of, well, I'd want to be found faithful doing whatever it is that I could while there was still time to do so. But this is a question that I am keenly aware can be easily misunderstood, so let me hasten to say that I am in no way suggesting that one stop what they're currently doing. Let me explain. I'm not suggesting one quit their job and wait for the rapture. Rather, in some cases, it's actually the opposite that's true. It may very well be that the Lord has you working that job, building that house, or planning that wedding for such a time as this. The question isn't so much, what would I do differently, as much as it is, what would I do now, as we see the day fast approaching now? Example, Is there someone I would call or write right now instead of waiting? Or are there certain preparations that I would be making in anticipation of that which I knew was about to happen, namely the pre-tribulation rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ? 
Now, for those asking the question of why I'm going in this direction, let me simply say there are several reasons that this is on my heart, has been on my heart, and also explains why it is that I seemingly talk about this every week. There is coming a week where I won't talk about it, by the way, because I won't be here to talk about it, because it will have already happened. And you better not be here either. No, but several reasons. Chief among these reasons is, and please hear me out on this, I'd rather do it now and not have the rapture happen than have it happen and not do it now. Can I rephrase this and maybe pose another question? And I want you to think it through. What do you have to lose? In other words, what do you have to lose by doing it? Whereas, what would you lose by not doing it? Would you lose that opportunity that the Lord had presented to you? You know those divine appointments? You could have never scheduled them. In fact, if you had scheduled an appointment, it would have probably got rescheduled and then rescheduled, and then eventually it just gets canceled. You ever had those times where you run into somebody and it's a divine appointment, and you know it's a divine appointment because there's no way, and it's kind of like, wow, this is a divine appointment. (laughs) I could have never scheduled this. In fact, I wasn't even supposed to be right here at this right time. Uh, I was actually delayed, ended up having to go there, then there, and ended up here. Now I know why. That's called an opportunity. What kind of an opportunity? Oh, it's an opportunity to reach the lost. And this certainly has application to reaching the lost while there's still time, but it also has application to encouraging the saved at this, the end of time. There are many who are very battle-weary right now in this, the last hour of human history as we know it. And that's why it is that When you talk about the rapture of the church, it should have the effect of settling your heart and encouraging you. That's what Jesus did. Wait, Pastor, are you saying Jesus talked about the rapture? You better believe He did. When did He talk about the rapture? John's Gospel, chapter 14. Verses 1 through 4. Let me read it. And I want you to pay particular attention to the first part of verse 1. 
Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Stop. Why would Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled? Could it be that their hearts were troubled? Question, why were their hearts troubled? Because Jesus just got done telling them, I have to go away. (laughs) I'm going to be handed over to the Son of Man. Basically, he's telling them that he's going to be crucified, buried. He's going to raise again from the dead. And this really troubled their hearts, and they were very discouraged. And that discouragement was potentially even giving way to despair. And Jesus knew it, and he wanted to encourage them. So how is he going to encourage them? Here's how he's going to encourage them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, I have to go, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, notice the specificity, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Translated, you want me to go. No, we don't want you to go. No, you want me to go. No, but we've had you with us, Jesus. Don't go. No, you want me to go. And oh, by the way, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So instead of having God with you, you're going to have God in you. You want me to go. And by the way, I have to go. Because when I go, I'm going to go and prepare a bridal chamber for you, my bride, because we've just been betrothed. Oh, that's, I'm sorry, young people, we don't use words like that anymore, or courting. When I tell a young person, my wife and I courted for two years before we got married, they look at me like, you went to court before you got, whatever. They've been engaged. He's the bridegroom. The church is the bride. And they would have got it. They would have understood exactly what he was saying, and they would have been very encouraged, even excited about what he was saying. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, go. Because, see, they understood the customs in that day, and it's still the same modern day at the engagement. They would eat from the bread and drink from the cup. And then the word, the covenant, would be written, the marriage covenant. And the engagement was now formal. Now, what does the bridegroom do? Sweetheart, I'm going to go now and I'm going to build a room addition on my father's house. That's where we're going to 
live. It's going to be our bridal chamber where we're going to celebrate and consummate our marriage for a period of seven. What Jesus is saying is, I know you guys are downcast, you're unsettled in your hearts, you're troubled in your hearts. I don't want you to be troubled in your heart because I'm going to prepare our bridal chamber and I'm going to prepare it and then I'm going to come back as a thief in the night and catch you away and take you to that place that I prepared. And we're going to celebrate for a period of seven, the number of completion. And then after the seven, the completion, the consummation of the marriage, we're going to come out and we're going to have the wedding feast of the Lamb. He's trying to encourage them. This is the rapture. No, it's the second coming. Excuse me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, wait, where's the place you're going to prepare? Oh, it's in my father's house. Oh, it's up there. Yeah. I will come again and receive you to myself. Oh, you're going to take us from here so we can be with you. Receive us to yourself. And it's even more specific in case you need more clarification that where I am, there you may be also. Where am he? (laughs) I should have quit while I was ahead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, in the Father's house. That's where we're going. That's where we're going to be. Can I just say it this way? I'm sorry I'm yelling. Everybody says, stop yelling. I can't. It's a custom in my country. We yell. It's not His coming. It's our going. I go. If it was the second coming, it wouldn't, He wouldn't have said that like that. He would say, I'm going to prepare this place, but then I'm, I'm coming in the second coming. <laughs> Well, then why are you telling us this? No, I'm telling you this because I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also in my Father's house, in this place that I prepared for you as my bride. Okay, Pastor, you're all fancy Nancy today, aren't you? Can you uh, support this hermeneutically? That's another big word. Makes me sound more intelligent than I am. It just means scripture, interpreting scripture. Hermeneutics. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. Again, pay particular attention to the first part of verse 15. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writing to the church in Thessalonica, says, according to the Lord's own word. Did you catch that? Wait, the Lord said this? Yeah. So Paul, about what, what you're about to write to us is according to what the Lord's own word was. Yeah. Well, what is it that you're going to tell us according to the Lord's own word? We tell you, 
according to the Lord's own word, that we who are still alive, according to the Lord's own word, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, speaking of death. And here's how it's going to go down, better said, go up. Verse 16, for the Lord himself, according to the Lord's own word, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and stop right there for just a moment, parenthetically let me just insert this. There's two trumpets. There's the trumpet of angels for Israel, the trumpet of God for the church. Make that distinction. There's the first trumpet for Israel and the last trumpet for the church. We're going to see that next. Make that distinction. A lot of guys get into a lot of trouble, especially when it comes to the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, because they get all twisted up into a trumpet pretzel. This is the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is our bodily resurrection. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. We're going up. In the Greek, it's harpazo. In the Latin Vulgate, it's rapturous, transliterated rapture. We're going to be caught up with great force, raptured together with them in the clouds that rise first in the bodily resurrection to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says this, verse 18, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask yourself what the therefore is there for. Encourage each other with these words. Now just stay with me. If the rapture was not before the seven-year tribulation, would or could or should Paul say what he says in verse 18? It wouldn't make sense, right? Because we know what happens in the, in the seven-year tribulation, and Please, uh, for those who have uh, played fast and loose with the first half and the last half of the tribulation, it's a seven-year tribulation. Could you imagine the Apostle Paul saying, you know, I sure hope you don't get beheaded for rejecting the mark of the beast, and I sure hope you don't die. Uh, you know, because a lot, lot of the population of the earth is going to die in the tribulation, and it's going to be just unspeakable horror, the likes of which mankind has never seen. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. 
No. Encourage one another because their hearts are troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Be encouraged because (laughs) the trumpet call of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. All your loved ones that died in the Lord, absent from their bodies, present with the Lord. They're going to get their new bodies, and you're going to see them again. And then you're going to see Jesus, and you're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then go to that place that He prepared for us. That's encouraging. That's exciting. Knowing I have this to look forward to makes whatever I'm going through easier to get through because I have this to look forward to. 1 Corinthians 15, two verses, 51 and 52. The Apostle Paul again by the Holy Spirit writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, again speaking of death, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's not a blink, at the last trumpet, there's that trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, putting off as one translation renders it, putting on the incorruptible, putting off the corruptible. Translated, we're getting new bodies. That alone, especially for People like me, I know some of you bear witness with me when I say this. This body's got a lot of miles on it. That's the car guy again. I'm getting a new one. It's a putting off of these mortal bodies, and we're given our immortal bodies for all of eternity. at the rapture. Okay, we have a problem. What's the problem? The problem is, pastor, you're doing it again, because what you're doing is you're getting people's hopes up, and then if it doesn't happen now, they'll fall away. I don't mean to sound mean when I say this, but I say this nonetheless. If that happens, it speaks more to one's spiritual immaturity. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. 
How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.